All right, so we're going to go ahead and get into our lesson. As I said, we have just finished up our series on humility, and now we're walking into obedience. This is so exciting for me. It, I just, I just really enjoy this. So I will go back just for a moment to the word that God gave me for 2020, the year of perfect vision. And um, he was very sure to emphasize that perfect vision was not the same as 2020 vision. 2020 vision means you see things the way it should be seen from wherever you're standing. If you're standing 20 feet away from an object, then you see that object as it should be seen when you're standing 20 feet away. Okay, well, he said perfect vision. And perfect vision is talking about when all aspects of your vision are working together. So when you've got your, I don't even know if this, well, you, when you've got your depth perception, working with the field of vision, working with your peripheral vision, working with your um, coordination, working with your color, whatever, whatever, you've got all aspects of your vision working together so you can see the thing perfectly, which means completely. You can see all aspects of a thing. So when we're looking at it from the spiritual realm, right? Then it's like, we can see things in the natural. We can see things in the spiritual. And we understand that the spiritual supersedes the natural. So when things are going on in the natural, we can discern or we know what's going on in the spiritual because we are in tune with God. We're in tune with Holy Spirit and he's telling us what it is. And so, whereas um, COVID may have caught some people by surprise, if we were in position, even though, I mean, it caught the world by surprise, but if we were in position, then it wouldn't have caused us to stumble or caused us to fall. We could have just kept on moving. And some of us have. So I'm not saying that all are in the same boat. Um, don't take it that way. But I'm saying when we stay in tune with God and we listen to him and let the Holy Spirit reveal things to us, then we get to see things the way God sees them. And then when they happen in the natural, we'll see that God has already prepared us for that thing. God has already equipped us for that thing. Um, the picture that's coming to my mind now is Noah. When God told him to build the ark, he built the ark. Nobody else knew what he was doing. Nobody else knew what rain was. Everybody thought he was crazy. But I'll tell you what, when the rain came, Noah was prepared. Because he had been following the direction of God. And I do realize that Noah was in the Old Testament, didn't have Holy Spirit. But my point is that when we allow God to lead us, he prepares us for what's coming. Psalm 32.8 says that he will guide us with his eye, his all-seeing eye. Hallelujah. Doesn't just see down the road. He sees what's right in front of us. He sees what's behind us. He sees what's on all sides. And if we just follow him, he will prepare us for everything. Now, the thing that he gave me with the word for 2020 was that we have to let him lead us because he was going to lead us down unfamiliar paths, paths that we knew not. Paths that we knew not, which means we might be used to going this way when we get to this corner, but God is saying, now I want you to go that way. And how many of you know 
that when you're used to going another way, it takes a few times before you're like, oh, I'm supposed to go this way. Or you might be like, but God, I always go this way. Or, but God, this way is better. We put up resistance when he's trying to lead us down paths that we know not, but paths that he knows best. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter three says that if we trust him with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding, it says that he will direct our paths. We just need to allow him to do so. When he directs our paths, it becomes our responsibility to take those paths. All right. So that whole time that God was giving us that word, 2020, the year of perfect vision, God was training us to let go of those things that we already know. Why? Because when we come to the classroom, when we come to the teacher's classroom, already knowing the lesson in our minds, then whatever the teacher tries to teach us, it's not going to get in, at least not in its fullness, because we already have these preconceived ideas. And God was saying, I need you to let go of what you know. What you know is good, and it served its purpose, and it doesn't mean that you have to let go of it forever. But in order for you to receive where I'm trying to take you, in order for you to receive what I'm trying to give you, I need you to let that go. And in a very big way for the large part, you know, the body of Christ didn't do that. Still holding on to our own ideas, still doing things our own way. What is this called? It's called pride because we think we know more than God. Let me back it up for a moment. Humility, that's what we just finished studying. Humility is having a realistic importance Oh, no, I'm sorry. A realistic view of our own importance, A, in the sight of God, and B, in comparison to God. When we have a realistic view of our own importance in the sight of God, that means I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do, and I have what God says I have. So when God sends me on this appoint, on this um, assignment, it's not for me to say, oh, no, God, I can't do that. Oh, no, God, I'm not qualified. Oh, no, God. No, no, no. When I'm walking in humility, I have a realistic view of my own importance in the sight of God, which means I agree with God about who he says I am. So if he tells me I can do this, I can do this. If he tells me I have this, I have this. If he tells me this is who I am, this is who I am. And then the other part of humility is that we have a realistic view of our own importance in comparison to God. Understanding that God is our creator. We are the creation. The creation never comes above the creator. So if the creator makes us to be a plate, who are we to say, oh, no, I don't want to be a plate. I want to be a bowl. Or no, don't make me a plate. Um, I'm not pretty enough to be a plate. Just, just make me a toothpick. I don't know if potters make toothpicks, but you know what, I, what I'm trying to say. So anyway, when we acknowledge that God is our creator, we're the creation, then that takes us back to we are who, what, who and what God says we are. We don't let our own thoughts about ourselves come above God's thoughts for us. We don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, meaning that our opinions of us weigh in more heavily than God's opinions of us. 
So anyway, slice it. When we walk in humility, we are answering the call of God. We are trusting in him. And get this, we are receiving his grace to do what he has given us to do. So now watch this, right? Humility. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. Grace. God's empowerment to be who God says you are. God's empowerment to have what he says you have. And God's empowerment to do what he says you can do. Is that awesome? And so the more we submit to him and agree with him and say, yes, God, I am who you say I am. He's like, there's that magnet. Oh, my grace is just pouring into them. They can. I'm giving them the power, the strength, the might to be who I say they are. Yes, God. oh, like Mary the handmaiden, be it unto me according to thy word. Oh, my grace is flowing to her. It's just, oh, that magnetic pull. I'm pouring it into her. She has what I say she has because I'm giving her the power to receive it. I'm giving her the power to operate in it. Yes, Lord, I can do what you say I can do. Ooh, let me, my grace just, like Jesus, when the, when the lady touched him, the one who had the issue of blood, he says, oh, who, so, who touched me? I felt the virtue flow out mm -hmm. of me. It's like the grace just whoosh, whooshes out of yeah. God. And we receive yeah. who he says we are, what he says we can do, and what he says we have. Oh, he's so yeah. ready to give it to us. Just, oh, it just comes to us. And then the yeah. Bible says he gives more grace to the humble. Just think about it. The more we receive from him, the more we agree with him about who he says we are, the more of his empowerment we receive. And that's just the way God likes it. Because if we say, no, God, I can do it on my own. Or you know what? Do you know why God blessed me to preach that in front of that congregation? Oh, because I fast 12 hours a day, because I read three books a day, three books of the Bible a day, because I pray 12 hours, a day. you know, because I'm so all this, that's pride. And what does God do to that? He resists it. He's like, oh, you think you have the power to do it? Do it on your own then. I'll be waiting here when you're finished. He resists the proud, but the humble, he pours more grace into it. Oh, they acknowledge they need my power. Oh, they acknowledge, they acknowledge. And it's not like he's going to run out. Glory to God. Paul let us know in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that God is able to make all grace, hallelujah, abound towards Amen. us. Glory to God. Every blessing, every uh, earthly blessing and every favor that says something like that in the Amplified Classic. He's able to make it all. So my prayer has been, Lord, if you are able to make all grace abound towards me, then I know that you created me able to receive all grace abounding towards me. So Father, yes, I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have. I can do what you say I can do. I, I humble myself before you and I, I desire to receive on the same level that you desire to bless. Glory to God. Amen. And do you know what that prayer has done? That prayer has revealed areas of pride. Lord Jesus. <laughs> that prayer has revealed areas of pride where my ability to receive from him is clogged up because there's some pride in there. Mm -hmm. 
So he opens my eyes to those areas of pride and I repent of it and I allow him to to walk me through it, work me through it, deliver me from it. And now I've got room to receive more grace. And he just keeps doing it. And so, Lord, when I go to heaven, when I leave this earth, I want it to be a smooth transition. Like I walk straight out of this earthly realm into that heavenly realm, leaving nothing on the table. I don't want him to say, okay, Catherine, you got to take this class again because you didn't get it while you were on earth. I don't want him to take me to a room where there were all these blessings in there that I could have had on earth, but I didn't receive them. So they're just stored up here in heaven. Oh no, I want all my grace, all, I want it all so that when I go to heaven, we just keep it moving. We just keep moving forward. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, so all that. (laughs) Brings us to obedience. And it brings us to obedience because when we humble ourselves before him and we say, yes, Lord, I can do what you say I can do. I have what you say I have. I am who you say I am. And we're coming to him humbly and allowing him to remove those places of pride and just coming into agreement with him about what he says about us. That humility automatically brings about obedience. It automatically brings about obedience because now I'm not trying to do it my way. And what I have found for my walk is that my focus has not been on obedience because it has been on humility. And obedience is just a natural product of humility. It's quite liberating. Quite liberating. And so, um, yeah. So we're going to step into obedience. Amen? Amen. So let's start this way. And I want each of you to share, please. What does it mean to be obedient? Do what you're told. Okay. Follow directions. Okay. Obedience for me looks looks as if I I had to learn to give up my will, but trust totally in God's will. I know how I would like things to to happen, how I would like things to pan out, but God always knows best. And to me, that's what obedience is for me, to just just completely letting go and as it comes, just praise him and thank him because it may not look the way I think it's supposed to look, but it's going to be good. Amen. Amen. Work towards the greater good. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of like what Tony was just saying in the sense of letting go of your will. And if you're working with a group of people, if they will let go of their 
personal wills and buy into that or focus on the overall goodwill of what they're doing, then it's, it's a lot smoother. I'll give you an example. Okay. okay. All right. I was a, I was a staff member and then I was assistant director of, um, of a National Red Cross uh, safety, service, safety school. And we would have about 35, 40 staff there we're all working together to get the participants of the school, which was, we had about 200, um, get them through their courses and to be well-trained. And so when you have that many diverse people, usually most of them were teachers for their jobs. I mean, they were college professors or school teachers or um, in some way had some teaching background. But when you get them all together, you know, things can go different directions. And it takes people letting go of their personal agendas to come to the place of working as a group to get something done. And when I taught my classes, I knew that if I had 35 people, it would take approximately the first 35 hours. And this was a residential situation. You know, this was not, you know, people go home at night, et cetera, et cetera. They were up there for two weeks in the woods, you know, doing this. And, and I discovered that basically for me, um, if I had 35 students, it would take about 35 hours for them to really gel as a group, to be moving with me instead of everybody kind of like on their own path. So that's how I experienced well, one of the ways. And, and with the staff, we, you know, there was different times throughout the, because everything wasn't hunky-dory, you know. There, there'd be, you could have bad weather. When you're a swimming class, that makes it tough because we were swimming in lakes. We weren't swimming in pools. And so people had to adjust. People had to, we had to like take advantage of the weather. We had to listen for what, I mean, for me, I had to listen for inside what was the best for my group. My group at the time was, um, I had the most to learn. It was the most inexperienced section and I would have to take them to the same level as some of the other sections. So I kind of handpicked my staff and we worked together, but it was a coming together um, and letting go of personal agendas, I think, and okay. doing what needed to be done for the benefit or for the good of the whole. And in our case, what I consider it also, not only the good of our whole section, but the good of the whole school. So if we needed certain equipment, but it, it needed to be subdivided among the school, we had to be able to work with that, even though it wasn't all that we wanted. So I just, that's my, the way I relate to that. But 
that's it is is a and when I think of it in terms of this topic, it would be for the good of the whole body of Christ. Okay, and so who is obeying in your work scenario? Who was obeying and who was being obeyed? Well, we were obeying to the director and then I, I was being obeyed by being the assistant director, but also I had a section to teach every day. And so my section staff and then the students. Okay. Okay. So the coming together, the letting go of personal agendas was... Um, an act of humility, I would say. Yes. That 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 when people let go of their own agendas, um, exercising humility, it led to an outworking of obeying the one who was in charge. Yes. Yes. Amen. So I see what both of you are saying, and then definitely as it pertains to the body of Christ. Like you said, um, Sister Tony, letting go of, of our will because he knows what's best. Um, because he's another, the director of it all. He's the director of it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and you know, so let's continue the example. So, um the head of the body is Christ and the head of Christ is God. He's the director of it all. Then we've got Jesus who was perfectly obedient to God, still is. And he's the head of the body, like the head in charge, but also the literal head. And we are his body. So can you imagine what the body looks like? Oh, like, leaders and stuff going in their own directions until all of it calms down <laughs> and does what the head commands the brain the all all of that commands now actually one of the things that we taught was where the head goes the body follows where the head goes that's the way it's supposed to be yep so that's the way it's supposed to be and so underneath the head it says that Christ gave the church gifts those gifts that he gave the church are the apostle the prophet the um evangelist the pastor and the teacher that they are collectively known as the fivefold ministry you can find that in ephesians chapter four they are collectively known as the fivefold ministry and their job is to edify the church and to grow them up into the mature stature of Christ. So we are to obey those who are in spiritual leadership. If we call someone our pastor, then we need to be living in submission to them. That does not mean let them run your household and dictate your life and anything like that, but they are your spiritual covering. And um, really the way God designed it so 
the way churches operate these days, the pastor is kind of it. The pastor, yeah, the pastor is it. But the way God designed it, it's, it's not a ranking, but it's a flow. Think about a funnel that starts out wide and it gets narrow and it goes down. At the top of the funnel is the apostle. The apostle establishes spiritual order. And then there's the prophet. The prophet proclaims the things of God, expounds upon the things that the apostle has spoken and gives direction to the pastor. Um, And now the pastor leads his flock, teaches his flock, cares for his flock according to the order that has been established and the words that have gone forth. And then um, flowing down from the pastor is the, let's see, did I say that right? I'm sorry, wait, 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 wait. The, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's the apostle, and then it's the prophet, and then it's the evangelist. The evangelist is the soul winner. The evangelist is the one that calls people into the body. It's the one that calls people into a life of Christ. Okay, then you've got the pastor. You bring them into the church, and the pastor cares for them and feeds them and teaches them and leads them. But then you've got the teacher who further expounds on the things that the pastor has put forth. The pastor might just have time to preach on Sundays, might just have time to preach on Wednesday nights, and doesn't have time to really take questions or or to, to give more of that personalized approach, but then, or even to, when the pastor preaches, he proclaims. And so there it is. But then the teacher comes back and the teacher clarifies and breaks things down um, so that the people can better understand. And so that is the the funnel. It's the the apostle, the apostle who establishes spiritual order, and then the prophet who proclaims or who professes the things of God, who forth tells the things of God, who sets the direction based on the apostolic order that has been established. And then there's the evangelist working on that um, spirit in that spiritual direction and calling people into the body of Christ and bringing them into the church. And then you've got the pastor who cares for them, who grows them, who cares for them, who nurses them, who tends to them, who's tender towards them and, and it is leading them. And then you've got the teacher who breaks down what the pastor has put forth so that the people can better understand it. It's a flow. And this is the, these are the gifts or the fivefold ministry is the collective gift that Christ, the head of the body has given to the church. So it is very important for us to A, choose our spiritual leadership wisely. You know, I used to think, I mean, not knowing any better, you know, the pastor was just the pastor of the church. He's the one who either founded the church or he's the one that preaches at church every Sunday. It's the pastor. Never knew about him being a spiritual covering. Never, you know, in my day, you know, whenever the pastor showed up, you just, you know, straightened up and flew right because it was the pastor, you know, but not necessarily because you knew that you came under his spiritual authority. And it's the same with um, if you've got a prophet, one that you listen to, one that you allow to speak into your life. You have an apostle, one that you allow to bring that correction, to set that spiritual order. You come under their spiritual authority. You submit to them. You humble yourself before them. And not 
like worship them like their God, but you humble yourself before them again. Like what Shalom gave the example at work, you let go of your own personal agenda for the greater good. Let go of your personal agenda and, and understand that the one who has spiritual leadership over you has, um, has authority and they have know-how that you don't have. And they can lead you in ways that you don't know. And that, that humility submitting to them, it brings about an obedience. So let me come back and say it's very important who you choose to be your spiritual leaders. Um, like I said, pastor to me was just someone who preached at the church every Sunday or the one who found it. But if your pastor is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, if your pastor doesn't know how to walk in victory, if your pastor doesn't know, you know, then you would want to seek God and say, Lord, is this where you have me or is this where I have me? And where would you have me to go? Because spiritual leadership is very important. Those that you set yourself under, those that you affiliate yourself with, very, very important. It's not just, he's not just a figurehead or whoever the leader is. They're not just a figurehead. It's part of God's grand design to grow his body up to the mature stature of Christ, which again, going back to the assignment that he gave us to pray over the body of Christ. And to speak in authority um, over the body of Christ. Alignment, fresh fear of the Lord, humility, obedience, and love of the truth. And the blessing for me has been that in the past two weeks, when I've gone to church, God has confirmed um, the assignment over and over again. I mean, he's been confirming the assignment over and over again. But now he's beginning to show me how we, meaning the Dominion Task Force, God's Love Song Ministry fits into the body at this time. The church that I attend, Eagle Mountain International Church in Newark, Texas, pastors um, George and Terry Pearsons, they, um, this church is well established in the body of Christ. It is, and the, the teachings that come out of here, the authority that comes out of here, all of it is established within the body of Christ. This church is known as the revival capital of the world. Glory to God. Like I think what Nashville is the music capital. Hollywood is the internet in entertainment capital. Well, Eagle Mountain is the revival capital of the world. Hallelujah. And, um, and, and this church is a prototype for the body of Christ. It's a trailblazer for the body of Christ. Um, and there are so many stories I could tell, but I don't have time to do it here. I will give you one tiny example. Um, and this is not a spiritual thing, but you'll see the large impact. One year, I think it was in the 90s, I'm not sure, but um, they were having a worldwide communion service. And they called the Welch's Grape Juice um, company and said, hey, this is our idea. This is what we'd like to do. Is there any way that you can package your grape juice in a way that we can get it to all the churches? And that's how those little cups that have the wafer attached to them, that's how that came about. And look at how just prominent that is now. That's just one tiny example of how this body has affected. Um, that was a natural example, but how they have affected the body of Christ. So 
we'll say this is a big river. Okay, I would say an ocean, but for my example, big river. All right. And if my terminology is wrong, I'm sure Shalom will correct me because she knows these things. But God showed me our assignment, God's Love Song Ministries assignment, the Dominion Task Forces assignment. When God has us, and, and it's still ongoing, so if you think about it in your prayer time, please continue to speak these things. When we're speaking alignment, fresh fear of the Lord, humility, obedience, and love of the truth, all of this is to bring the body into alignment with God, into alignment with his will, so that for real, when we say thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, that we are so in alignment that heaven just flows to earth through us. And this earth that he has us to have dominion over, this sphere of influence that we have and whatever we're doing, it looks exactly like it does in heaven. As a matter of fact, it is exactly what it is in heaven because heaven has just flowed down. That's the end result of what we're doing. Well, in these last two Sundays, right? Two Sundays ago, let me see. Um, Pastor George Pearson's preached. And with everything that's going on in America and just how so many things have gone awry just since January, um, you know, the body of Christ needs to stand up and take her place and walk in the authority that God has given her and take the dominion that God has given her. And he led us, he taught us and he led us in a confession where we took authority over the things that are going wrong in America. We stood for the United States of America. It was no longer, okay, body of Christ, walk in your authority. Okay, body of Christ, cooperate with the word of God. Okay, body of Christ, walk in humility. No, no, no. He, it was, take your authority now. Let's do it together. And he led us in a confession. So all this that we've been doing for the past year or so, has been feeding into this. I say that we are a tributary that has fed into this river. That this has been prep work that we have been doing. And now it has reached a point where we can move to the next step. And I don't, I haven't heard of other churches doing it. I don't know if other churches are doing it yet, but I don't even need all that. Eagle Mountain did it. My pastor did it. Where I'm connected did it. And God just showed me where we just flowed right into that big river. We're the little tributary or smaller tributary. And we fed into that river. And that was such confirmation. And then last week when we went to church, Chaplain A.L. Downing was there. He has served in the military, yikes, 30-something years, Shalom, I don't remember. 23. 23 years. But he is a chaplain. 21 of those is chaplain. Okay, so he was chaplain or is chaplain. And so um, he's over a lot of the religious things that take place in the military. And he has high rank. He's not just a chaplain at a military base. No, he's like the chaplain over all. And he came to our church and he spoke and he mobilized us, um, mobilized the body of Christ and, and broke down the military strategies, 
broke them down. Like when we're going to war, this is what we do. And this is how people are trained. And we've got to, you know, when we want to attack over here, we send a diversion over there so that they pay attention to that. So we can capture this. And he says, we as the body of Christ, and he gave us strategies and he mobilized us using Joshua chapter one, when God told Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Arise. You're getting ready to take these people over. And in the message translation, I think it says, get going. He mobilized us. So again, we're the tributary feeding into the river. Glory to God. I thank God for his confirmation. And so all this that we're talking about tonight, we are. We're getting to obedience. But what I hear the Lord saying is order. Order. All that he's been taking us through. It's been about order all the way from perfect vision, letting the Lord lead us to um, what we've been, we started out the year studying about the fear of the Lord, just finished humility and now walking into obedience. So even this is an order. It's a structure. And it's showing us just how important obedience is because where the head goes, the body follows but the body must follow. We, the body, must follow. We have a work to do. We have authority to take. When the Dominion Task Force started, it was just so that we could get, you know, make a difference where COVID was concerned. But we didn't know that the crazy things were going to happen with the elections. We didn't know that all these things were going to happen in America, abortion being, you know, and, and the transgenderism and all the craziness. It's time for the church to wake up, which I believe she is. And now it's time for the church to take authority. But one thing that we centered on for a long time was that we cannot walk in authority if we cannot come under authority. And this is the reason that God has had me teaching on the fear of the Lord, onto humility, and now onto obedience. So obedience, Shalom says, is do what you're told. Follow directions. Work towards the greater good by letting go of your own agenda. Sister Tony, giving up my will and trusting totally in God's will. And letting my will go and thanking him and praising him. That's huge. Thanking him and praising him. And then another thing that I would like to add where obedience is concerned is doing it when you're told and doing it the way you're told. You ever heard that delayed obedience is disobedience? Nope. You've never heard that? Nope. Yes. There's a saying that says delayed obedience is disobedience. Doing it in your good old time when you're good and ready is just like you've never done it at all. And then the same thing, partial obedience is also disobedience. So um, the thing that I would add to 
what you two said is doing it right then and doing it the way it was issued, the way it was ordered, the way we were told to do it. Amen. Amen. Amen.